0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You know what I actually, uh, you know what happened to me right before we, we went live, like uh, 20 minutes before? Uh, mm-hmm. Sunday morning, I dropped a cup of coffee at the, and the mug shattered.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> is that a bad way to start a Sunday or what? That's usually a pretty bad omen. Or, I don't know, like in Greece, no. they break plates, right? So maybe it's a good omen. Yeah, I, I don't think it's like
1: necessarily an omen. It's just like a, a rough way to start a Sunday. And, but knowing that you were coming on the podcast and we're doing this today actually brought me back to like a happy place. Yeah, I was going to say anytime we're doing a podcast on a Sunday morning
2: is a good way to start a Sunday.
1: Yep. Cool, man. Yeah, no, what we're going to do, you know, today, obviously, you know, it's, it's rookie season. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about dynasty sleeper rookies. So basically, you know, it's, it's still early in the process. The combine hasn't even actually got underway yet. So, but I know that you've been studying the rookies doing, doing all your work. So I, I like that. I want to get a few of, you know, at, later in the show, a few of the guys that, sure. that you like that might go on late day two, day three, even later. Because I have tasked you, Shane, with finding mm. me the next Elijah Mitchell so I could draft him in my my dynasty
2: leagues this year. But uh, I'm just that is that is some heavy responsibility. But you know what, Al? I'm going to try it. We're going to we're going to go through some of these players. Look, the, the reality in the class this year is that it is very top heavy. Right. We've talked about this already many times, whether it's on your show on Sirius or just chatting. Right. It's very top heavy. And then there's a whole bunch of dart throws and every one of these guys has a few warts as to why they're not being drafted, you know, in the top one or two rounds of the NFL draft. But, hey, listen, that's that's why we're here. Right. We're, we're here to find the diamonds in the rough. And maybe it's a smaller school guy. Maybe it's a guy who transfers, didn't really get an opportunity until his uh, junior or senior season. And that's kind of what it is. Right
1: yeah is there is there like um with elijah mitchell specifically and the reason i keep going back to him is because mm-hmm. he was a six round running back he was the third quarterback uh, third running back on his own depth chart and then yeah. he emerges as an every week fantasy starter when he was healthy and when he was healthy he produced like a you know top 12 running back so what looking back knowing what we know now is there something about elijah mitchell that basically the general market missed i know a couple guys were on him but is there something that what
2: what was it that we missed that we should look for in running backs moving forward? Oh, man, see, that's such a tough nut to crack. And I think really what it comes down to is there's this type, right? Like in the NFL, if you're not 205 to 220 pounds, if you're not between five foot nine to six one, six two sort of thing, you're almost an afterthought, right? Or you're thought of as just scat back. You're like a Naheem Hines. You're you're destined to be. The third guy or the second guy in a committee, right? And that's what it comes down to. Whereas, you know, if these NFL coaches start looking at and taking a step back and looking at these smaller-ish, you know, they're still around two hundred pounds, but these smaller-ish running backs that are elusive, that are quick, that look good, you know, there's that eye test. And if they pass the eye test, it's like okay, maybe we maybe we should give this guy an opportunity. And so, you know, Elijah Mitchell, he's not a big dude, right? He was um, he's two hundred one pounds, he's only five foot ten. He was a little bit older, right? He was an older rookie. He was, what, 22? Uh, he's 23 and a half now. So he would have been, you know, 22. Going through can, his I, process can I stop you there year. for a
1: second? Can I stop yeah. you there?
2: Like the age thing with running backs, that's I—that's uh, uh, the lesson I've learned. And don't lose your train
1: yeah. of thought here. I interrupted you because th- this is an important sure. thing. I don't think it really matters if they're an older running back at rookie. Uh, sorry, if they're an older rookie at running back because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're only expecting three good seasons out of our running backs anyway, right? I mean, at best, we're happy if we get three seasons.
2: And if you get honestly legit, like unless you're going for one of these like top end guys, if you can get two seasons out of these running backs, you're probably going to be happy. Right. I'm serious. Like how many guys are just like the, 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 the one year one hit wonders. And then they just go off into obscurity. Like the James Connor model, where he goes and scores what was it, like 19 touchdowns last year. Like that, does, that doesn't happen very often, right? Where they go, they've got an opportunity, they break out because of an injury typically, right? And then the next season, they just do actually squat, fall flat on their face, and then go to another team and score 19 touchdowns. Like that just doesn't happen. So if you're going to get one or two years out of these guys. Now, the thing is, and, and we were just, uh, my, my co-host Brandon um, on the Flex Network We did our first rookie mock yesterday. Well, it was supposed to be two rounds. Of course, we only got through one round, right? Because we like to talk about rookies. And um, the general consensus is that, you know, unless you're one of these high drafted, high pedigree running backs, you know, that you're going to be taking probably top five, top six. Like, those are the guys that you expect. Like, your expectation is I get three to four years of production and relatively high level production with this player. Right. The second in these dynasty drafts, you're you're drafting guys in like the second or third round. Like that's where it's like, if I get one, maybe two good seasons out of these guys, to me, that's a win. That's a win. Right. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about some of these guys a little bit later. And look, the thing is, is that depending on where these guys go, they're going to have to, their opportunity to, to get on the field might be from an injury. Right. Of, of the top guy. Um, And then there's an opportunity, like when Miles Sanders went down last year and Kenny Gainwell was, quote, the guy, he didn't take advantage of it. And lo and behold, Jordan Howard was scoring touchdowns, right? So sometimes you like these prospects. You do everything right. You look at, like, an Elijah Mitchell, say, listen, these are the things that I like about this guy. But there needs to be an injury or their higher-drafted running back needs to fall flat in his face. And that's what happened with Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. One of the lessons I've learned in these dynasty rookie drafts
1: is, and and again, there's going to be exceptions to the rule, but when I get into the third round of these rookie drafts, I don't really want to take wide receivers anymore. I mean, no, I just want to load up on running backs, even if the depth chart is not cleared out for them yet. You know, the Elijah Mitchell's, the Khalil Herbert types, um, you know, even Jamar Jefferson last year and, and Kylan Hill, because even if they're the third running back on their own depth chart, I mean, Mm -hmm. we see that during the season that gets cleared out pretty quickly because we don't care if we have like a, 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 you know, it's very rare. And that's why, you know, we jokingly talked about Elijah Mitchell. It's very rare. You get a full season starter What you're looking for are projectable running back starts in two, two week windows. So there's an injury to the starter. David Montgomery Mm -hmm. goes down at this point. You know that you could draft uh, that you could start Khalil Herbert. Uh, and expect a pretty reasonable, you know, top fifteen running back game out of him. So I think my strategy moving forward in these rookie drafts is going to be identifying these running mm-hmm. backs that maybe taken around four, round five, round six that are, you know, the running back three. They're going to make the roster on their team,
2: and those are the guys I'm looking to draft. The guys you want to take tar- uh, shots on, like Kenny Wongwu from last year, for example. Right. The reason I took a shot Min- on him the, and I had- the rookie, the rookie running back on the Minnesota Vikings. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Kenny I want to Wongu, make sure we're a rookie running back or now I guess sophomore running back, right? He's going into his yeah. second year. He didn't do much last year and that, and and obviously there's Dalvin cook, there's Alexander Madison, right? These are guys that are ahead of them on the depth chart, but why are we taking shots of these guys? Because you look at them and they're hyper athletic, you know, they're 90th percentile athletes. And those are the types of players you want to take a shot on. And so the thing is, is that do you remember when Jarek McKinnon went to San Francisco a couple of years ago, he got paid. He was like one of the top paid running backs. Everybody's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Because he came off that great season on Minnesota, uh, in Minnesota. And he got hurt. So we didn't really have an opportunity to see what the hell they were doing. But then, you know, even Kansas City this year, when they were playing him just a little bit, he looked athletic when he touched the ball. So those are the types of players you want to go for. And guess what? Uh, Shanahan has a type. He's got a type of running back. And so you look at Elijah Mitchell, KL, and who is his best comparable player? It's Jarek McKinnon, right? So I get the feeling like, Smart coaches like Kyle Shanahan look, and I guess I don't want to do this coach, work coach worshiping guys, but he gets players on his team. He gets players that know how to play football on his team. And then he's not afraid to give them the opportunity, right? If they shine in camp, it, he saw him and he, tra- he saw like uh, Trey Sermon and Trey Sermon did absolute squat. So it's like, all right, let's give Elijah Mitchell the opportunity to play because he looks good in practice. He's hyper athletic and he's a guy that we're going to take a shot on. So that's why, if you're not drafting one of these top two, three NFL, you know, so call it day one, day two, and and realistically, you know, in, in the NFL in 2022, round two is a new round one, right? Like the vast majority of these elite running backs are going to be drafted in round two because NFL teams are getting smarter because the running back position is somewhat interchangeable, right? you want to go for these high athletic guys. And that's kind of what I feel like. I feel like Shanahan sometimes plays like the fantasy game, right? He's like, all right, who, who would I want on my fantasy team? Well, this is the guys that I want on my real NFL team, right? Like, don't, don't go and draft plotters. Let's draft athletic guys that can score touchdowns, that can look good. And, hey, if they can stay healthy, they might actually make a contribution to the team. So the one thing I will caution you on is that Elijah Mitchell, he may be a sell high if you can sell him. So I actually sold him for uh, a deep. Uh, you know, a, a decent payout. Um, it's always a little bit painful uh, selling a player of that stature, especially on a team like San Francisco that's going to likely produce. But you just look at his range of outcomes next year. You know, he wasn't highly drafted. Um, Trey Lance is presumably going to be the starter next year. So is he going to take away running opportunities? We know Debo Samuel loves to play running back. So is, I don't know, if that, is that sustainable long-term? I don't know, but I'm looking at next year. And so range of outcomes, Elijah Mitchell is somebody that is re- reliable, but you're, you've been doing these underdog drafts, Alec. Where's Elijah Mitchell going in the fourth, fifth? Right, like uh, he's in that—he's yeah, definitively yeah. in that dead zone.
1: Yeah, I mean it's fine. I mean I, I don't mind taking a shot on him. You know, the running back pool dries up quick. Uh, by the way, RotoWire. Dynasty fantasy football podcast is brought mm. to you by WinBet. Uh, thanks to WinBet for sponsoring us all season long. Uh, WinBet is the exclusive sponsor of Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, and all the live betting you okay. like. They also have a digital casino with an amazing interface. WinBet is currently available in nine states and rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register at WinBet today. Make a qualifying deposit and wager and receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. That's WinBet, the exclusive partner of Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Alan Slasky. I'm here with Shane Seely, my old friend from the Flex Network. And we're going to be talking about some rookies that you should be drafting in the you know, later rounds of your rookie draft, guys. That you know, obviously, it's going to change when they test a little bit, and it's going to vary upon landing spot. Running back being the most landing spot dependent uh, position, probably of of any of them. I mean, obviously, you could order, you could argue quarterback might be as well, but um, you know, <laughs> just you know, that that's a little bit more obvious. We're looking for different things with quarterbacks. Speaking of the combine and testing, and um, yes. I did you hear? I, I'm trying to think where I heard this, but. Are there going to be a lot of key players refusing to run the 40 this year?
2: Uh, I, it would be pure speculation for me to say that. I haven't read anything that oh, yeah. these players so, are going to do that. But this, I mean, here's this, the thing is, well, last year was unique, right? Because there was no combine. And was that last year? Or was that the year before? That was last year, wasn't it? Well, I don't remember. They all blend no. together for me at this point. Yeah, no, that was, that was pretty. It was last year, right? Because, it was last you know, year. Okay. Chase, oh, right. Like, right. You know, then these guys yep. had a combine, right? Yeah so you know these players don't have the combine and so they found that like jamar chase literally didn't play last year he was the first drafted wide receiver off the board and then he lit the nfl on fire right and they made it all the way to the super bowl because of a player like that um you know more and more we're starting to see these players opt out of their bowl games more and more we're seeing players like Jahan dotson for example getting the invite to the senior bowl and then opting out of the senior bowl because hey He's probably going to get hired round draft capital. What so, school What school does Dotson go – is he out of? Jahan Dotson – I know you're going to ask me that question. Let me just double-check here. Jahan Dotson is coming out of – sorry, Al. Yeah, no problem. Okay, I Obviously, be, we, yeah, he's out of, out of Penn State. Yeah, okay. out of Penn
1: State. Uh, and then, so, if we – maybe the 40 is just less important than we thought it was. Yeah. Like, we don't really – well, again, it's, it's important, but maybe for the top prospects. Like, do you really care – what Traylon Burks is
2: going, going to run is forty? Yeah, I mean it matters. No, it's, it, the thing is, it does matter though, Al, right? Because there is, look, it depends on the wide type, the type of wide receiver, right? So, like I'm a
1: Traylon Burks, but I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying does it matter right. less than we thought it does?
2: Explosiveness like, matters in the NFL, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is that you talk about the eye test, right? When you're comparing it to to college level athletes, it's sometimes harder that, and that's why you know, you got to sometimes caution these, these guys who only look at tape when you're evaluating a prospect versus looking at the tape as well as the actual metrics. That's important because your eyes can be deceiving, especially if you're looking at a smaller school player where you need to, you know, things like the 40, the reason that these, they do these different tests, they do the shuttle, like the, because these are metrics that translate into the NFL. If you're quick that matters in the NFL, right? So yeah,
1: one look- well, second. I, I think you're. I think I'm not communicating the question right because it's not. I'm not saying that the metrics and the mm-hmm. the tests don't matter. I'm saying specifically the 40 yard dash. Like, why is the four? Why is it a 40 yard dash? Like some guys. Oh, are, I see what you're saying. How many 40 yard plays are there really? Like most plays, I mean you know, if a good player what does he have like six 40 yard plays a, a season, you know, it's yeah. like why isn't the 20 yard dash the most important thing? That's yeah. I'm something like, what is this? Why is the number 40, the the gold standard? And I think players, especially like players that are projected to go in the first couple of rounds are like, Hey, why am I going to hurt my draft stock by running a 40 when I'm already locked in? I mean, Burks, for example, he's going to be the first or second wide receiver off the board. He's going to be a first round pick. Can he only hurt himself by doing that? Can't teams, if they put less emphasis on the 40 yard dash, avoid, you know, falling in love with the metrics like Henry Ruggs blew the combine away. Right. And he it, he pushed himself all the way up into the first the first wide receiver off the board off the field stuff aside. That didn't look like it was a good choice. You know, I mean, no. So that's what I'm saying is I think you're going to see. More and more players, you know, we sort like you mentioned. We saw people opting out of bowl games. Now I think yeah. you're going to see people opting out of what's probably the most, you know, it's the ice skating of the Olympics, right? It's the the 40 yard dash is the 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 key event that everyone looks to. It's it's the one
2: I watch. Yeah, well, it's it's the it's the exciting one, right? I mean, it's in, in summer Olympics, it's the hundred yard, hundred meter runs. Like those are the ones that are exciting. They're I don't know. They got like the you know those those the athletes that everybody knows about that are that you don't just talk about every four years. Um, it's, it's the sexy one because I don't know. I mean, speed still matters. And the thing is, is that, you know, especially at the Indie combine, it's everybody's on, in, on, in the same level, it's the same conditions and that's why they always go back to the exact same spot, the exact same field, you know, there's consistency, right? Um, there's like a controlled environment, right? You could, yeah. It's a controlled yeah. environment. I think that's important. But I, look, keep I an eye that, on that. Though. That's a really keep good it. question because, like, what? How do how do the NFL wide receivers win in the league this year? Like in in 2021, 2022, they get they do it by separation. Um, There are some deep, uh, like the speedy guys, but really, like Tyree Kill. I mean, he's a unique beast on his own, right? Like mm-hmm. you got you see like the speedsters, like the Van Jeffersons, the Henry Rugs. They make a difference on the field. But it's not because they're the ones necessarily catching the ball, right? So, in fantasy football, we want the player that's going to catch the ball. So, if you have a more shifty type player like a Justin Jefferson, um, he's probably going to do more, like produce more than a speedy guy like Van Jefferson or Henry Ruggs, like we've we've seen it. So, to your point out, you know, it matters because speed does matter. And yes, it's forty yards, but it's still do they have that breakaway speed? Um, can they be the defender that matters, right? If you, a straight up go route, if they can beat their, the DB, get it, get it yep. just a one or two yards of separation, a good quarterback's going to get them the ball. So that matters. It opens up big I'm plays in the NFL matter, right? Yeah. That's more uh, and, than ever. And, and, and I
1: agree there. I just it's it was just a point that like kind of was sticking with me that what is as I saw the speculation that more players might and I don't want to you know yeah. belabor the point, but let's keep an eye on that this year and let's see if it actually does affect
2: draft stock and you know the narrative around it. All right, Here's question, the thing, where- Al. Just just re- really quick to to close that point. I think it's going to be inter- interesting to see if more and more players opt out of the the combine altogether and just stick to their pro day right in the conditions that they can control. I think that's going to be really interesting this year, especially some of these top ranked guys. Like, if Jalen Brooks doesn't go to the combine, is that going to hurt his draft stock? I still think he's the number one, but maybe maybe it, maybe it slows things down a little bit. Maybe Garrett Wilson becomes a top ranked player on, on some boards. It's it's you know it's hard to tell if it's is it cause or an effect, but it's going to be interesting.
1: All right. You know, I want to talk a little dynasty strategy with you, but what yes. we will say we could save that for the end because I have a ton of questions about sure. philosophy and strategy. But let's let's talk a little. We talked about rookie sleepers, so more or less, I asked you to come up with a list because you're you're deep into this stuff now. I, I'm I start my process so a couple weeks ago. We did a couple exercises with the RotoWire crew, but I, I always like your takes on these late round guys uh, and guys that are players that are going to get drafted probably late you know, late day round two and later. So it could be day three. It could be the mm-hmm. last couple rounds. So when we talk about sleepers, some of the non top three or four guys, we know, uh, Brees hall. We know about, uh, Walker. Uh, we know spiller. Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to be firmly, uh, above the spec, you know, for now until things change yeah in the top three or five. So you talked about Jerome Ford. Uh, you would ask me, uh, I had asked you about Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. Yeah. So, uh, Talk to me like you're talking to my grandmother. She knows nothing about fantasy football. Uh, give me a, a, a the cliff note for dummies
2: on Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. All right. So Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. <sighs> Let's get started. So Jerome Ford, I guess one of the reasons that I wanted to highlight this guy is because I've seen him. You know, I do a lot of reading, right, because. As I'm trying to learn about these rookies, I go to a lot of different websites. I like to get a lot of different perspectives about these players. I've seen Jerome Ford as high as the number four running back, the number three running back on some boards. I've seen him as low as like the 10, 11, 12 running back on boards. And here's the thing I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, Where
1: is what year is he? Is he a senior? Is he a junior? Do you he, know, uh,
2: Jerome Ford, he was at the senior bowl. Okay. He so he's a senior. Okay. So he's a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he opted out of the game. I, there was, I think, there was a family reason why he opted out of the game. Um, and, and here's the thing, right? So Jerome Ford, he is a running back out of Cincinnati. He's five foot eleven, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's twenty two years old, so he's a little bit older. Um, he, I laugh, I laugh when you say older, twenty two years old. Well, it's all relative, right? It's all yeah. relative. And, and so the thing is, is that he he spent his first two years in college at Alabama, right? So he didn't get an opportunity to play because there's always these star-studded running backs in Alabama. So he transferred over to Cincinnati in twenty twenty. But really, it was in 2021 where he broke out. And the reason that I like Jerome Ford is, first of all, you look at just p- the pure counting stats, okay? Um, the man had 215 rush attempts. Uh, he's a big dude. He can handle the ball. That's important, right? He didn't really have any major injuries of note, which is also notable. Did you say 13... his size
1: already? Did you say his... what was he, Five foot eleven. What's his weight?
2: 115 pounds.
1: 215. 215. And yes. the, the key question, and I'm sure you're going to cover this, is how many sure. receptions did he have in his, his best year? How many receptions? There, Alan uh, okay,
2: I'm sorry. I'm dropping the gun. Trust, uh, okay. trust yeah. the process, baby. Trust the process. No, you're right. You're man. right. You're right about that. You're right. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Okay, so Jerome Ford, 215 rush attempts, 1,315 rush yards. Okay, so so in terms of, like, what's his job? He's a running back. Can he run the damn ball? Can he, can he handle the carries? This is important. Okay? When they played their bowl game, he was seemingly the only guy who actually got anything done because Desmond Ritter did absolutely squat in their bowl game. Okay? So that matters. He had 20 total touchdowns on the season now that's significant. Um, I believe number one in, in on the season was 23 uh, with Tyler Algier, and, and there was a few guys at that level. So he ranked up there in terms of total touchdowns. In terms of the pass catching prowess, look, Jerome Ford is capable in the passing game, all right? So in his senior season, he had, 20, he had 21 receptions for 220 receiving yards. He had about a 5.8% uh, reception share. Now, the threshold where we talk about Running backs that are capable of catching the ball can perform in the, in the reception game versus these elite pass catchers. I like to see eight, nine, ten percent of that um, of that target share. He was he was below that threshold. Okay, the reason I like Jerome Ford though is because he does profile as a type of running back that can step in in a committee. Okay. Now, the reason I'm bringing Jerome Ford, I was Shane, why are you talking about this guy? He was a late breakout. He was a senior. He didn't do much at the senior bowl. The reason is because I really do think that in today's NFL, more often than not, you're going to get into a situation where it's the first one and two uh, down running back as well as a pass catching running back. So the question is, is Jerome Ford going to be in red zone situations? And I think he is because that's really where he does his best work is in the red zone. And you saw it with his 20 touchdowns, right? So – he he does excel in short yardage situations. He can ex- he can be explosive. Um, when he was in high school, he did log a four four point four forty, which is important, right? And then Al, you're saying, what about that? What about the hundred meter dash? Well, he actually ran a ten point six one second hundred meter dash in high school as well, right? So the guy is quick. The guy can be elusive in the goal line. The problem is he's average at best in a reception game. So.
1: Well, let, let, I want to. Prob- this is what I want to yeah. talk about there, because the reception stuff. So uh, okay. it's funny. It's, I, I, I see you guys talk a lot about the, the share percent, and I understand why that's important. Yeah. But if you're, if you're just talking about players that will translate to the NFL, and this is a, it's, kind, it's not really an arbitrary number, but some yeah. guys at Rotowire did a little background research on this. Is the number. And, and 20. It was the number of oh, 20, 20, okay. 20. Yeah, and again, it, whatever your number is. But 20 just means yeah. like, I'm not worried about it. You know, I mean, if it was no, like six capable. receptions, right. It would just be like, oh, all right. But 20, it, it's like, okay, they're totally capable. It's just opportunity. You know, I don't know if he had other receivers on his squad or like that, but it, it's like it checks a box for me. So, yeah. So I like this pick a lot. And I like that you pointed out his prowess in the end zone because everyone's like, oh, how hard is it to run in a two yard plunge? It, it's hard. It's there's, hard. There's, yeah. There's yeah. players that are good at it. Like someone like Melvin Gordon. Right. I mean, a veteran. Mm-hmm. He just proved that over and over again, like he, with the exception of his rookie year, where he had, I think he had zero or one touchdowns that once he got the opportunity on the on the goal line, he was just one of these guys that
2: was just good at punching it in. We yeah. can go I down the it, list. I believe it was, a, he had zero, didn't he, as a rookie? Yeah. It's what I'm saying it was yeah. zero, yeah. one, was which is, you know, again, well, yeah. it was
1: totally weird. It was totally yeah. weird. Uh, so I like that pick uh, of Jerome Ford in. In most, let's say, so where do you project that he'll go in the real NFL draft? Is he uh, a round three player or is he around like six?
2: He's probably going to be anywhere. He's a day three guy. Uh, If he goes, if he, so day three, so round one is obviously day one. Day two is rounds two and three. And then day three is. The rest Four, of the five, rounds, six, right? Four, seven, five, six, yeah. seven. Right. Plus then all the other compensatory picks and all that, it's all that garbage. So the thing is, is that he could go probably as high as the fourth round or as low as the sixth round, right? Okay. Talk about Jermar Jefferson. Where did he go last year? He's a guy that round I... round six, I, yeah, yeah. So he's a guy that I kind of think about uh, in this mold. And again, um, I'm
1: not, I'm not worried about the like. I, yeah. I don't care if a running back's taken around five, as long as he makes the roster. Like, yeah, he's going to start out as the third running back on his on his team. And, you know, maybe, I don't know if he is capable of playing in special teams that'll get him active on game day. But for the most part, you know, these are the type of players that in round three of our rookie mock drafts that I am going to collect. I I don't, you know, this is, this is where you hit on Elijah Mitchell last year. This is where you hit on Khalil Herbert because in a lot of drafts, those guys were going on in round four and five, you got to reach up for these players. That's my, that's my dynasty rookie advice because, you're going to hopefully capture these two- to yeah. three-week windows, maybe longer, to get them. All right, let's talk about um, – we'll, clo- we'll close the book on Ford. I like that. Sure. Uh, the next player you sent me here is Wandell Robinson, the wide receiver out of Kentucky. Uh, give me you know, everything about him because uh, I-, I want the audience to hear about you know, what year is he, what's his measurables, and where do you project him go?
2: Okay, so Wandell Robinson, he's out of Kentucky. He's a younger player. He's only 21 years old. So he's definitely one of the younger players and okay. So he's five foot 10, 185 pounds. This is a little bit of concern. So I I basically highlighted to you two running backs that we'll talk about and three wide receivers, the three wide receivers. The reason that I want to talk about them today is because I want to get them on your radar. They don't have that threshold. Like they're all under 200 pounds, right? They probably prospect to be more closer to like a slot type player, but they have the upside that can potentially play out on the outside. So Wandel Robertson, um, here's the thing. He had a young breakout age at 18.7 in 2019. He had a 37.3% college dominated rating. So when you look, what, what is college dominated rating? It's just a percentage of the team's uh, reception touchdowns and receiving yards. So I'm glad, I'm glad the, you, I'm glad you defined that
1: because mm-hmm. dominated rating
2: is something you hear
1: all over podcasts. And yeah, I You know, honestly, like I, I kind of know what it was, but I'm glad you defined yeah. it. So just say it again. So the listener who's who who was drinking their coffee or just like
2: dominator rating. Shane, what is dominator rating to find it? OK, so it's the college dominator rating for the position, right? So for the yeah. wide receiver it's a percentage of the team's reception touchdowns as well as total receiving yards. And so. He and it's, I think it's weighted 50 50 pretty much for that 37.3%. Okay. So that's massive. Anytime you have like a 30 plus percent college dominator rating, that's, that's, what that's huge, you. right? So 37.3 that's massive. Okay, what's an acceptable dominator rating for someone that you're just I mean, like, you're like, hey, I, this is fine. Between 20 to 20, you know, 20 to 25% is, is acceptable. Right. The thing is the thing, the tough thing about dominator rating is context matters, right? Like another one of the players that we're going to talk about a little bit later is John Mechie. He only had a 22.6% college dominator rating. Well, guess what? He played for Alabama. So you know, <laughs> you go into these situations. And so what I like about Wandel Robinson is that he did, when he was in high school, he started as a running back, but he was a highly sought after player. Um, The thing, too, about Wondell Robinson is he did start – he was drafted. He went to Nebraska, and then he eventually transferred back to Kentucky. But in his third year – so he was a a junior. Um, He wasn't a senior. So he's coming out early, which is important, right? In 13 games, he had 104 receptions, 1,334 reception yards, and he averaged 12.83 yards per reception. Again, he had the – and this is what we didn't talk about. He had a 39.3% target JRL. That is massive. That is absolutely massive. Almost a 40% target share in college at any level. That's massive. In the NFL, we look at guys like the, the alphas on their team with the 25% market share, right? So in college, this man had almost a 40% market share. That's massive. Okay. So that's one of the reasons that I like to highlight him. Um that's that's basically like one of every three plays and more than that, because that would be
1: 33% yeah. went to this, went to Robinson. So Pretty yeah, much, that's great. Right? What, what is, what is his best trait? Like, what is he, where does he dominate on the field? Is he uh, like, is he the short
2: route guy? Is he the deep guy? Like what's his, what's his superpower? He's good. At, like if, if you're playing, if a team is playing zone coverage against this guy, like he's going to be, I think an excellent slot receiver, like that's where they're gonna, he's going to get profiled. And before you say that, I mean, people don't forget CD lamb, started as a, as a slot wide receiver as a, in his rookie season. And he, he, he looked pretty damn good, right? He was still effective for your fantasy team. So Wandale Robinson, he's a player that's going to, you, you want to take a shot on. And here's the thing, right? Because he started at running back, he has a pretty good knack for the game, right? The, the thing is, is that you look at in the NFL, who are these players that are playing running backs out of the out of the backfield? It's it's these thicker guys like a Debo Samuel type, right? So in the NFL, his one hundred eighty five pound uh, frame, he might play Z, right? He might you know play his flanker, running across uh, formations um, and getting balls that way, but he's not going to be a pure running back, right? That's not his, that's not going to be his role in the NFL. But he can be electric. I think his route running, it needs a little bit of work again, because he wasn't playing it. But the fact that he really did break out and he's coming and he's an early declare, despite the fact that he started as, as a running back, I think that matters, right? So Wandel Robinson, he's a player that you're going to see in a lot of, uh, I think in a lot of draft boards, going to be projected around the mid to late, probably round two of your dynasty rookie drafts in the real NFL. Same thing. He's all these guys are day three guys. So he's still projecting to go as a day three player. Um, but do, you have a, do you have an
1: NFL? Do you have an NFL team where you think might be a good fit for uh, for for him?
2: I mean, he, almost if he's a slot receiver, almost any anywhere. Game Al, team, right? Honestly, yeah. And, and the thing is, I think I think Wandale Robinson, depending how we how we test it to combine, I think he's going to get round three draft capital. I think a team's mm-hmm. going to see the athleticism. He's declaring early. There's a reason that he is declaring. Right. Um, a lot of the times, these players, especially the smaller school guys. They'll go and they'll. What are scouts talking? What what are their agents telling them, right? And if they think they're going to get decent capital, like why would you come out early if you're going to be a day four, day five, or day three guy, round four, round five player? It doesn't make sense to me. So, I get the feeling that Wandell Robinson and he's probably the, yeah, he's a guy that could go as high as I think round three. I don't see him going around two unless a team just gets absolutely enamored with him. But he's at the end of the day, he's still a slot guy, right? Um, His testing at the combine this is a guy that's that needs to go and test right just yeah to, you know to, to see that's, that's what i was up. talking about there yeah. a, a day four player needs to test because if he's declaring for the draft i'm sorry day, day four round four
1: player yeah. can it needs test because they can move up but i was just talking yeah. about like some of the stars earlier like when i said guys yeah. that won't test like what what reason does you know one of the top two receivers need <sighs> to test that it's yeah. a, we, we beat that to death already.
2: But yes, sure. I agree with you. A player like this can only move up from testing, not move down. Yeah, so Wandell Robinson, I think he's a guy that I'm definitely going to be taking a shot on. Um, he didn't go yesterday in our mock draft because we only did uh, one round, but I have him projected in my rookie rankings. Uh, I got him right around uh, two, three turn. Was, I mean, he's going to be in discussion when you're drafting like the Jalen tolbert Christian Watson. So, you know, the guys that really showed it out at the senior bowl, um, that's the that's the conversation he's going to be in when you're drafting. All right, question for you here: What's the best comp for him? That or the most common? Oh, I was new you. Oh.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed.
1: Hey, you still there, Shane? Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Uh, I don't I think one I think we froze for a second, but we're good. Sorry about that. We're good. Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, yeah. It might be my connection's a little loose, but that's fine. Anyway. Um, so let's let's keep
2: going with this. So do you have a comp yeah. for him? Yeah, okay. So when you look at his size, you look at his speed, uh, the type of player that he really could like I think at a high level, he could potentially be like a quarterback's best friend, like a Deontay Johnson type player. Mm. Um, I don't think he's got the speed of like, I mean are we always going to compare these smaller guys to tyree kill like he's not a tyree kill right you know, he's not that he's not going to be as quick as them um i think high-end nfl if, if he comes out to be like a hunter renfro maybe a tyler lockett if he's in the right situation with a quarterback to trust him like that's his high-end potential I like um low end, i don't know probably like a russell gauge type i mean comparably russell gauge is six foot 186 pounds right like that's the type of player that he's going to be so if he's going to a situation where it's more of like the the pocket passers like a you know like Derek Carr loves his um, Hunter Renfro Um, Matt Ryan loves his Russell Gage like that type of quarterback that's where this guy can go and get a seven, eight receptions a year. If he's going to go and, or excuse me, seven, eight receptions a game, (laughs) seven, eight receptions a year would be unacceptable. (laughs) I I understood what you meant. I understood what you meant. Um, And then you're hoping that he can get like five, six, seven touchdowns on the season, right? He's going to be a wide receiver three type on your team that you're going to be comfortable starting. Now, the thing is with these types of players as a rookie, he may not jump off the page, right? Like we have to be set expectations realistically here, right? Amon Ross St. Brown, was a later, dra- uh, later round uh, player. He went in round four in the real yeah, NFL he draft. Was, he went, you know, it's a start round four, but yeah, but he, was, he was, was, but he was still
1: go. I mean, it's still round four, but he was, st- yeah. he was going in rookie drafts, like in you know, he was one of the first five picks in round two. In our, in our uh, dynasty drafts,
2: yeah, but I mean, in, 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 are you talking about superflex or non-superflex? Yeah, because... super. I always talk superflex on okay, here, okay, but I okay, understand. Yeah. What you're... Right. I, for, for for me, I mean, like he was going. Later round, two, yeah. Right? I, like, he might have gone two
1: ten in a bunch of drafts. You're right.
2: Yeah, that like uh, Kadarius Tony was was the guy where okay, we got we got to take the draft capital on Kadarius Tony as a mm-hmm. prospect. Like, Al, you and I did a bunch of mocks, right? I w- I pretty much was was hammering almond Ross St. Brown in the second round whenever I could in, in our mocks. But after the draft capital, you have to reevaluate that. Like, what does the NFL see that we don't see? And and, and uh, in my opinion, the NFL got it wrong with this guy, right? Like almond Ross St. Brown, he's a star and he's going to be a star. Now listen. When everybody's healthy, TJ Hawkinson's back, DeAndre Swift is back. Is he going to have that same elite target share? I don't know. Time will tell, right? But th- he's the type of player you want to give the benefit of the doubt to. Now, Wandell Robinson, if he goes into an opportunity where he can be a target hog, you know, maybe he's going to move up to drop or move up. Um, well,
1: here's, I want to, I want to I make a comment about dynasty here. philosophy here, because this is exactly kind of ties back into what I was talking about. Like, so in round, you know, Two, three. I'm just gonna soak up these running backs over yeah. players like uh like Juan, uh like Wandell Robinson because like you just said, you just identify the key thing. This right. guy is probably gonna be a wide receiver three type, which by the way, I love having plug and play wide receiver threes. There's nothing against that yeah, specific you need, you need tagging. Them. Right. Yeah. But you said in year one, he's unlikely to produce. So that's my again, there's no there's many roads to a championship, but yes. I'm going to try to accumulate those running backs after you know the the top 5 wide receivers are off the board because those guys will produce in year 1. So dynasty mm-hmm. managers are likely going to ha- be a little goosey if their wide receiver doesn't show you anything in year 1 or they just have just they have a typical rookie wide receiver with late draft capital season, you know? And yeah. that's when you'll be able to get them a little bit um let's say more efficiently. You'll be able to trade away players that have, you know, maybe a little older players. So that I try to collect these type of, this is why I'm glad you're mentioning it because they have upside yeah. for a good career. But in the rookie drafts themselves, I get a little impatient if, of those type of guys. And if you have a 25-man uh, roster, you may not even have room to hold a player like that. Now, if you play in a lot of these deep dynasty leagues like we do, 30, 35, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Put them on your taxi squad, all right? You know what I mean? But I just when you talk about dynasty philosophy and rookies you should draft, I'm glad you mentioned him, but I'm going to let somebody else take a player like that yeah. And then I'm going to try to get them this year. So I'm just trying to think of some players that didn't show out. Oh, you know what? Uh, Amari uh, Rogers on on mm-hmm. Green Bay would be an example. Yeah. He was going in mid round two last year. All right. Yeah. That's where People I would were have... drafting him ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. Because always oh,
2: going to the Packers.
1: Right. Now this year, if I was to offer someone uh, let's say I had the last pick in round two or like three point one, I probably someone that has Amari Rogers is probably like, here yeah. you go yeah right, so that again this doesn't apply to every situation, but just as a philosophy question, if yeah. he is going where you said he's gonna go in that late round two, I'll probably pass for the running backs. That's my philosophy, and I, I because I'll be able to get this guy next year if I have a feeling with his
2: upside, like you just described all right let's so well here's just just on that al so this is relevant, okay, one of the questions i keep keep being asked a lot, and I'm sure you the same is with you is. At what point? Because this 2023 class, man, it's going to be the greatest class in history. 2023, watch out, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'm being facetious right out. So the question is, is like, at what point are am I comfortable trading my 2022 picks to get a 2023 pick? And the answer for me is, okay, in round one, and this matters, right? Because context matters. I think you'd agree, and the general consensus out there is that this quarterback class is not as strong, right? Um, is look. Malik Willis, I love Malik Willis. I, I love his upside. But in any other other year, he'd be like the fifth, sixth uh, quarterback off the board, right? So at what point am I comfortable trading my rookie picks? Probably right around that 1.7, 1.8. If I can get, say, a 2023 one and then maybe a later round one pick or even like a round two pick this year, that's something that I'm going to consider, okay? That's for the early round. And this is there's some nuance to this, all right? So then the, the question is, if I'm in round two, am I willing to just straight up trade one of my round two picks for say a 2023 round pick round two pick and maybe a 2023 fourth or fifth or something like that here's the thing i am more likely going to make the pick this year banking on the fact that a round two pick this year i mean every year there's most classes are top heavy right yes there's going to be depth but round two in your rookie drafts round three you're always taking shots right so would i rather defer that lottery ticket to next year and pray that that's going to be like that lottery ticket is going to pay off or would I rather scratch it today knowing that at least there's an opportunity for this player to go and do something in the NFL maybe Amon Ross St. Brown was that lottery ticket last year he said you know what screwed I'm just going to make the pick because there's a better chance that if this guy pays off he's going to be worth more than a round two pick this year than a round two pick next year right so in round one if you can get say, like, like I said, if you trade away your 1.7, you get a 2023 uh, round one and then maybe like a, a third or a second round pick along with that. I'm going to do that right away. But if I'm in my round two and I'm I'm in the dart throw uh, position of this draft, I'm going to throw that dart this year with I'm banking on the fact that this player is going to do something in the NFL because that's how you that's how you win in Dynasty L, right? Like you need star players, but you also need to win on the margins. And What that means is that you have a player that you draft in round one and round two, your rookie drafts that you can now trade for a round one pick next year, right? So that matters to me. So Wandell Robinson is the guy that I'm probably going to scratch that lottery ticket on this year versus trading that pick away. That's just me. That's that's my philosophy. But it, it's know, fun. it's you funny. You
1: say, it's funny you say that. Like I and I hear that a lot. Like, hey, if I if I get a round two or round three player and they hit, yeah. I'm going to try to trade them for a first round pick for another lottery ticket. And it's. yeah, it, and there's definitely a lot of merit to that, but it's, I, it's the perpetual rebuilders, the ones that are constantly trying to trade up and trade up. And they're not just enjoying, you know, the fruits, uh, uh, you know, the, of their spoils, you know, it's, they're like, like, tr- I, unless you're getting like the mother load for Elijah Mitchell, it's like, you have a starting running back. Why the hell are you trading? Yeah. Him? So, so the, the well, perpetual, so that's, that's a good one, point. So let, about, me, like, let me, let me, let me, finish yeah. the point real quick. Okay. Is that it's just, there's perpetual rebuilders in every mm-hmm. league. and, they are basically dead money walking. I mean, yesterday I had a guy in a league in a pretty sharp league. And he was just saying that he was like, Oh, I'm rebuilding. Right. And he's the, he's the super flex team that has Tom Brady. So I understand quarterbacks are hard to come by, but so rebuilding to me is like selling off your veterans to get some picks. The guy, uh, traded me Najee Harris off his team. And right. And, and it wasn't even like for the mother load. Like he, I gave him two firsts and a second. So I paid, probably market but not like i mean any player yeah. would do that right i gave him so two first and a second for naji harris like that's not okay. a rebuild and then so i'm just saying like always trying to when you have a bird in hand you know yeah. don't always try to trade up just enjoy it um but that's again the dynasty philosophy question what
2: were you going uh, to add that well i think t- to that point it's if you scratch that ticket this year right because all these guys there's a reason not going in round one of these drafts okay if you scratch that ticket, you can either a sell a player at a profit, right? You know, the easiest comparison is stocks, sell that player to profit, or hold on to that damn player. Let them play on your team. Let them contribute to your team. And it like, cause last I checked out, we're here to win championships, right? Like that's why you play dynasty. And I, I definitely get lost in that a little bit because I get so enamored by the rookies. But if that player does hit, like i hits, don't trade them away unless you get fair compensation for that player. Right. Um, because he's young he's the type of player that you want in your dynasty leagues and uh you can either keep him or you can trade him so that's why i'm more inclined in these later round picks to just take take the swing man like why yep. defer to next year because a round three pick in 23 is going to be just as much of a dart throw as round three pick this year you might as well go for it this year and hope he, he accrues value and if that player doesn't you can either cut them or let them marinate in your taxi squad another year or trade them off somewhere. Like, yeah, I think
1: my, my philosophy was don't trade at the pick away. I, I and I, we might be talking about two different things I, or, you know, yeah. I, it was that, Take the shot on the running backs, the, the round four, yeah. round five, round six fair. running backs over the day three wide receivers. You're, there's good unless you have. I mean, listen, if you have a strong lean on one of these guys, if if you knew Gabriel Davis, round four wide receiver was going to break out, then sure, take that. You're going to hit sometimes. I just meant as a general philosophy question. Let's continue I, on. I Let, let's smart. continue on with our rookie sleepers. I'm here with Shane Sealy of the Flex Network. Uh, I'm Alan Slowski. Roto Wire. By the way, the Rotowire – Wire. Dynasty Superflex rankings have just been refreshed. They've just been updated. You can see them right now for free for 10 days. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Just put in your email. There's no credit card. Just You can see all of Rotowire's premium content for 10 days free. Uh, there baseball draft kits up there. If you like fantasy baseball, if you love Dynasty football, there's a ton of Dynasty content. So rotowire.com forward slash try. Check out everything for free for 10 days. All right, Shane, rookie sleepers, guys that I can get in my rookie draft, I, I'm gonna jump the field on you. Like Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of mm. Western Michigan,
2: break him down a little bit for me. Uh, why should we draft him in our rookie drafts this year? Sky Moore is—he's another fun guy. He's out of Western Michigan. Um, look, he's gonna be all three of these guys I'm talking about again are, are probably they're smaller-bodied guys, so they're likely gonna be uh, profiled at least to start as a slot wide receiver. So keep that in mind for context, okay? Um, but Sky Moore. Again, another young player who's only 21 years old. He's at a, a 24 point or 21.4 to be exact. Um, he's at a Western Michigan. He's five foot nine, 195 pounds, but got the BMI baby. You know, I like that BMI. He's thick. He's 21.8 BMI, which is higher. Like by comparison, Wanda Robinson was a 26. So uh, Wanda is a little bit more Schvelt, thin, whereas Sky Moore is a little bit thicker, which I generally like, and also at one hundred and ninety five pounds, like I'm so much more comfortable with my one hundred and ninety five pound wide receivers than one hundred and eighty five pounds. I mean really, my minimum threshold for these players where they're not just going to get destroyed in the NFL is like one hundred and eighty pounds, but I like them closer to two hundred pounds so one hundred and ninety five pounds I like that for him. whoof get ready for this al okay he had a forty four point eight percent college dominator rating, which I just love like that just makes me tingle inside. he's got a college target share of thirty nine point five and his yards per reception was thirteen point six so Overall, he is respectable from, you know, from that standpoint too, right? Now, what does he actually do at Western Michigan? Um, and again, sorry, he is a, uh, a junior coming out, so he's in, he just finished his third year of college. In 12 games, he had 94 receptions, 1,283 receiving yards, with, again, like like I said, uh, the target share of 36.68%, and then a catch rate of 70%, and he had 10 uh, overall touchdowns. So the man could get it done, Um pretty much anywhere you put it. Uh, The thing that I like about is that when he was playing in high school, he actually started as a quarterback and a defensive back. So he wasn't a wide receiver in high school or in, uh, in high school. And that matters, right? Because first of all, you know, you look at these, like, I don't know, like it's, it's probably like Julian Edelman, for example, right? It's, it's probably a cliche to think of it, but these players, When they played quarterback at any level, right? They just seem to have a different understanding of the game. So he played quarterback. He understands the nuance of not just his position, but the, but the team as a whole, right. On offense. But then he also played defensive back. So he understands wide receiver tendencies. He understands um, what his defenders are going to be doing. So to me, that's important. Um, And then he, he, he translated. The reason he moved to wide receiver because he was, a damn good wide receiver. He's shifty, he's quick at changing direction, and he's super reliable. Um, in co- in college, uh, the QB rating when quarterbacks were targeting him was one sixteen point two in his college career. That's high, right? Which means this is a player that can be relied on. And so, for Wondell Robinson, we had you know some of those smaller-bodied guys. The high-end comps for a player like Sky Moore, in terms of his body type, is players like Ceedee Lamb. Stephon Diggs, maybe like a a Rashad Bateman, a Jerry Judy type. So this is the type of player that they've got the speed, they've got the size, they've got the shiftiness that they can go and actually make an impact right away. This is the type of player that the NFL is starting to fall in love with. Why? Well, guess what? These are the types of wide receivers that are winning in 2022. So they're shifty, they're quick they're not necessarily those those big alpha mike evan type players right but they're not also those small shifty guys that are always freaking hurt and that are never playing for your team so that's why i like skymore skymore is popular um, i think he's going to be moving up draft boards the thing that i that i say listen fantasy gamers just take some pause on him right let the process play out because again he does have he is currently being projected as a day 3 pick so you know there's always that upside but there's always that risk that he's not going to get on the field right away because we love him, but does the NFL love him? So that's, that's sky Moore. He's a guy that I, I I'm actually, I've got him ahead of Wandell Robinson for the reasons that I outlined. Um, if I'm going to take a shot, I'm going to take a shot on the bigger guy, the guy that I've seen more reliable comps for in the NFL consistently year, year in, year out. So sky Moore,
1: guy that caught my eye a little bit here. And I want you to break him down. I put him on the cover of our YouTube video. It was Tyler's the running back out of BYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, you're going to have to give me the cliff notes as we got two players to cover in about eight minutes. So uh, yeah. break them down. Maybe. You're doing a good job. I'm enjoying this. I'm sure the All listeners right. are as well. Tyler Gio is a, is a player that I just based on profile who I think I'm going to be drafting in a lot of my my rookie my, uh,
2: in my rookie dynasty drafts. Yeah, you've, you've got to type out. You've got to type his, his pro comparison is a guy like James Conner. Now, he's not as big as James Conner. Tyler Algier, like I said, running back at a a BYU, he's 21 years old. He'll be 22 when the season starts next year. He is 5'11 and 220 pounds. He lit the NCAA on fire last year. Um, Let me just pull up the stats here. Okay, so on 276 rush attempts, he had 1,601 yards, which was third in the NCAA total, and he was tied for first with 23 total touchdowns. We talked about the receptions, okay? He had 28 receptions for 199 yards, and guess what, Al? He had a 10% target share, which means they were actually going for him with the ball. Now, the thing is, I will add some context to that. It was typically in shorter routes. Um, He he could do over-the-shoulder catches, but he wasn't going down the field. He wasn't lining up his wide receiver as much as, um, say, like a Kyron Williams might have. But he's still a player that he profiles. He's got the side. He's got the speed. He could profile... As a three down back in the NFL. And you talk about a dart throw, there's a reason that people are talking about Tyler Algier. And look, after, like, I like John Mechie. He's a guy that I'm taking a shot on. But after the Kyron Williams, David Bell's, Trey McBride's, like those type of, like that class of player, you're going to be starting taking shots on on guys like Tyler Algier in the middle of round two of rookie drafts this year. He's a player that I get excited about. Um, I'm probably going to have a lot of Tyler Algier. If I've got to two, four, two, five. It's going to be a decision between: Do I want to go like a David Bell, which uh, the word is a fantasy community like some better than the NFL community does? Do you want to take Trey McBride, which you know in your tight end premium leagues, it's always nice to have a, an elite tight end, but immediate day one production, I think Calarasio can give you that.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing. Versus, by the way, you, you mentioned players. you mentioned Trey McBride, the the tight end. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm starting to see him show up in round one of some mocks now. So not in of the real NFL draft. So again, you know, that's, a discussion an for mistake. another day. Yeah, I a, a discussion for another day. It, it happens all the time in the NFL. They, you know, the guy who the tight end teams fall in love with the tight end that could be the TJ Hawkinson yeah. type. And you know, listen, teams teams make non-optimal picks all the time. Uh, yeah. I just again, I just, it was somebody that I thought would be a value in like the middle or late second round of the real NFL draft. Is is now actually showing up in these mocks. It doesn't mean anything other than it's just you know maybe a few. uh uh, combine bros or senior bowl bros that are they're wanting to flex him in
2: there. Yeah. All right. One last uh, thing, just real quick Al before with Pelagier. Um one of the reasons I think he's going to be able to withstand the NFL and just a brutal, you know, hit after hit getting hit by a truck on every play is he did play as a linebacker. He started as a linebacker before he turned to running back, right? So that's why you don't have that early production from him. But look, he he, I think he's standing out. Um he's a player that I'm going to be targeting and I'm excited about him. So I just wanted to end that
1: yeah, I like that that tidbit about him being a linebacker and basically being just having a coat of armor. I mean, this is yeah. you know, feelings aside, it's like this is exactly what the NFL should this is the type of player the NFL team should draft. A player where you're likely only gonna get your one contract out of him, your four years, right? And you put him in there yeah. and you let him get some hard earned y- yards for you and just let you know, it give your maybe your starter. He's probably not gonna be a one A. But if he goes to a team where he could creep his way up the depth chart, this is exactly what we've been talking about all podcast long. All right. John Meachie, a wide receiver. Um, he's Alabama, right? Uh, he's, yeah, uh, John yeah,
2: John Michi, Mechie. John John Mechie. Okay,
1: see, good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're educated. So wh- what's, why is he uh, a sleeper? Where is he? Is, break him down a little bit. Why is he um, not in amongst the elites? Uh, was his
2: production a little – because the typical Alabama receiver has to cede yeah. to some of those alpha guys? The thing about John Mechie is he's an out of sight, out of mind type player mm. right now. The reason for that is because he did tear his ACL at around the end of the college season. So you saw the Alabama; they they lost in the national championship. They didn't have any of the wide receivers. Um, Jameson Williams got hurt in that game as well, and they were the two alphas. Right before um, before he got hurt. So one second. what kind of what kind of injury was it? It was an ACL injury.
1: So he he had an injury in the same
2: game as no 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 uh, no. 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 <laughs> I know Jamison Williams towards ACL in the national championship. Game. Yeah, that I saw. I it was around November, November of last year's. Okay, so it matter.
1: was late in the season. So basically, season. Yeah. anyone who drafts uh drafts him is probably he's not going to have training camp.
2: No, and this is a risk. This is why I'm, I'm bringing this player up. It's not oh, very often that we that we that we bring up these these early declare Alabama wide receivers as sleepers, right? But people aren't talking enough about this guy. Jamison Williams, before his injury, he was projected to be the number one wide receiver off the board. And I I, I would have been cool with that, right? Like I would have had – it would have been an absolute conversation between him and Traylon Burks, in, in my opinion, as the number one wide receivers because of the speed, because of the elusiveness. John Mechie, before he got hurt, was actually leading Alabama in receptions with 96 mm. receptions for 1,042 yards. Again, these sort of things matter. Um, and he did have eight uh, receiving touchdowns on the game. So he played uh, on the season, excuse me. Um, He did play 13 games. So it was around the end of the season. Um, But the thing, I just want to remind people that John Mechie is here. He's going in like round late round two, round three, where again, this guy would be in the conversation as a round one wide receiver. I say there's really a big three wide receivers, maybe big four. If you throw Jamison Williams in there, he would be in that conversation. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the knocks with the, uh, with the draft class this year is that there just isn't that sizzle at the top as much as maybe previous years. Like, there's no Jamar Chases in this class, right? But if John Manchie wasn't hurt, if Jamison Williams wasn't hurt, it would be a big five, and uh, we would be a lot more comfortable because you could pretty much knock out eight, nine players comfortably, skill position players, before you even start discussing some of these quarterbacks in your Superflex drafts. How is that not a good draft year? classes uh, to me that that matters right yeah.
1: one, one of so- the one of the things that i keep pushing back on mm-hmm. and and again you, know, you obviously you, you studied this class I, i'm getting up to speed now this is why i have yeah. you on shame because uh, i mean you're part of my study you're one of the sharpest rookie analysts i know and uh, again this is why we have you here give it to the Rotowire listeners but yeah I, when anyone starts with the 22 class sucks thing i just said it's just such hogwash it's like three it or is. four of these guys are going to be superstars we don't even know who it is yet and even if the quarterback's one of them is going to be just yeah. locked and loaded top 12 quarterback or top 15 quarterback uh you know upside or be drafted next year so when you just say oh the quarterback class sucks and blanket it's like okay fine maybe there's not like a clear oh. prospect but You know, it's there. One of them is going to break out, and uh, you know, I'll save it for another day because as we're running out of time. But we could. I heard I heard (laughs) you guys talk about Malik Willis as like your fourth quarterback on your board. I see to me, and not I know you've studied this a little bit more, but I see someone like that, a running quarterback with upside, who's who's going to likely go in the first round of the NFL draft, and I'm like, he's the one one in superflex, or at least the one two. If there's a running back you like, so I just think that's uh, just from my a, a not just a profile perspective. Yeah. When you talk about fantasy, that's the QB1 for me. Obviously, if somebody else goes in the top 5 of the NFL draft, we could have that discussion if they're going to get
2: opportunity, but and and I'll change my my opinions as we you, move so forward. I'll give you real quick um where where I have Malik Willis. So Malik Willis is my number one quarterback just because of the upside. Oh, good. I, mean, I thought I heard you guys say he was the fourth quarterback in in your podcast. No, uh probably the fourth quarterback coming off uh, draft boards which I think after the senior bowl, that that's now ch- going to change. Right. Like yeah. what I'd like to do is like, so um, I don't know if I'm allowed to comp another site, but there's another site that I go to that has an indexed um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, NFL I draft. You, you could player say you com. Play yeah. we, we we player i We love player
1: profile here. We yeah. have Cody on all the time. We're having, yeah, we're having yeah, Josh yeah. Larky on in uh, two
2: weeks. He's oh, coming beautiful. on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. We, so we smart, are, smarter people than me are, are out there. They're, they're grinding these, these NFL mock indexes. And um, I, I, you know, I think that Malik Willis is going to move up the board. But Kenny Pickett is the first quarterback that's being uh, mocked um, to, I believe it's Washington at the 11th overall pick. Like that's where they're expecting. Oh, to be I thought maybe Carolina Carolina would take a quarterback at nine, I thought. But they, you could, so. they could. I mean, but I, I think that there's a lot of discussions that Carolina's nine. going to go out and get like a Jimmy Garoppolo. or They're going to get uh, one of these three. The veteran. Or, uh, they're going to get a veteran guy. They're, they believe that they're in a win-now type situation. Honestly, Al, I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to go to win now teams like none of them are are, are that talent. But um, I have Malik Willis at five on my board. So just yeah. real quick, I'm going to go. This is just my very, by the way, I don't care basketball. if they go to winning team. I, I, I would love if a quarterback went to Detroit Lions and just racked up fantasy points. I mean, we're talking yeah. about fantasy here. That's all we, well. The thing is, is that they, <laughs> there's also, you know, the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars that can ruin um, generational prospects.
1: Yeah, but that's co- that was, I mean, everyone, I think the consensus believes that that was coaching and environment. Like, ever, I, I think that the consensus and, and sharp analysis would say that the Lions is a great environment. Everyone loves Dan Campbell, they love the new hire for an mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Yeah. And I, I, I'm they changed on, that
2: culture, man. They've done a great yeah, job. Yeah, that's what
1: I'm saying. So, again, I don't care about I, And I've heard. Other sharp fantasy analysts like yourself talk about that, like need to be on a winning team. But I, I'm, you know, if, if the Lions get Willis somehow, okay. And, let let and... me
2: let me change that. Let me change that then, okay? Uh-huh. They don't need to go to a winning team. They need to go to a non dysfunctional team. Oh, Is that yeah.
1: Better? Uh, you know what? And those are two different things.
2: They are absolutely, and, and
1: I'm glad we made that distinction because, right? Yeah, I mean, any. I mean, we've all worked in poisonous work environments before. We don't maximize yeah. our upside, our potential. No, so
2: it's toxic, right. man. Yeah, just uh, so I'll give you the last word here. Finish out what you were yeah. going to say, and then we'll wrap it up. I just want to give the people a little bit of taste. Like, So this is my top six players in Superflex drafts. So far, pre-combine, all this stuff. Okay, I got 101, Breeze Hall, then I'm going Traylon Burks, Isaiah Spiller, wide receiver, or excuse me, running back in Texas A&M, Garrett Wilson, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. That's my top six. So... There's only two quarterbacks in there and they finish out the top six. So that's the type of quarterback class that it is this year. In my humble opinion, the NFL is hungry for quarterbacks. I just think that when you've got these, look, there's no such thing as a a perfect prospect, but you've got these high end elites likely can't miss prospects. They're going to make immediate year one impact on your NFL uh, uh, dynasty teams. I'm going to target those players ahead of these quarterbacks, because it's going to take some time for to develop a quarterback. And I get the easiest time to get a quarterback is in a rookie draft. I'm still going to go for those high end skill position players. That's just the kind of year that it is. Shane Sealy of the flex network. All your links will
1: be in the video description below. I want everybody who's listening to this podcast. If you loved what Shane said and how the hell could you not go listen to his mm. podcast? He does a podcast every week on the flex network. You can follow him on Twitter at the flex network one. I want you to do that as well. Uh, Amazing analysis over there. Uh, And again, subscribe to his podcast. I'll put all the links in the audio. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, uh, it'll be in there. And it's certainly worth a listen every week. There's no one more passionate about fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football than Shane Seeley and the flex network. Go follow him over there. Shane, you did it again. You blew up the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. we obviously going to have you back uh, a bunch of times over the offseason to give us your updates. And like I said, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by Wimbet. We thank them. And to go see all of the Rotowire Dynasty Superflex rankings and all of our premium content for free, go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Shane, brother, I'll see you next time.